Equan, cut the music. We are back. Six inside episode number eight. Uh, we've subbed out Howland. He needed a break after his NFL draft performance. So we uh, <laughs> we brought in hot takes again to fill in for him. But uh, usual crew minus Howland plus hot subbing in off the bench. Sixth man of the year, if you will. And uh, let's get into it. So I'm going to start here with some breaking news. Uh, as of about five or six hours ago, Albert Pujols announced that his desires to be released by the Angels, and they were granted literally immediately. So I guess we'll, we'll go around. We'll start with you, Kylie. What do you, what do you make of that? Anything you want to talk about specifically with Pujols, just whatever direction you want to take it in? Uh, I mean, he's definitely a legend in the game. He has been um, – a superstar, uh, not as much recently, but uh, on the Cardinals in the beginning of his Angels career, was always uh, hated watching him as a Cubs fan when he was on the Cardinals, but you got to appreciate everything he's done. And I think he'll get picked up by a team that is looking to make a push uh, for a World Series. He's an extra bat. He's not that great of a hitter anymore, but, I mean – He's got power. He he's capable, and um, it'll be interesting to see who pursues him. Schultz, bumping it over to you now. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with you, Kylie. I don't see him being picked up by a team like he's gonna be. How old is he? He's like allegedly around his forties. He's probably like actually eighty-five. I think he's like forty-one. Yeah, so right. forty-one, and so he's like sixty-five actually. Yeah, uh, and he hasn't been good for like two or three. He hasn't been good for a while, which is sad because like Kylie was saying, Pujols is one of the legends of the game. And it's kind of a sad way for him to probably end his career. Even if he gets picked up, it's probably going to be a fizzle out. And then like, he'll go try to see if he can get picked up and nobody's going to be like wanting him and he's going to retire. And uh, he's probably on the same pedestal as Derek Jeter in terms of legend status from modern day players. And he's not going to get that kind of goodbye treatment like Derek Jeter did, which he definitely deserves. So the only way that, like, I could see him being picked up and it, like, being worth it for anybody was him going to the Cardinals and maybe just, like, playing, like, in September and coming up and just saying goodbye to everybody and having, like, his one last hurrah with them. Maybe he gets hot, helps them get into the playoffs. They're looking like they're probably going to make the playoffs at this point. But it's kind of a sad way to end such a great career. Uh, Overall, that contract that the Angels gave him probably was not worth it at all. Uh, if I'm an Angels fan, I'd kind of upset that we gave him $250 million over 10 years for literally almost no output for the past, like, five years, I want to say, for sure. I'm, I don't remember. I'm sure he was good at the beginning of his career, but, like, or the beginning of his tenure. But overall, uh, sad way to end a pretty disappointing 10 years in L.A. compared to that great run he had in St. Louis for all those years. Yeah, I mean, he had an absolute – incredible career in St. Louis. Uh, I loved his batting stance. It's one of my favorite batting stances. One of the prettiest. Uh, one of the prettiest batting stances. That's the, the – me even being a Reds fan, like, you just marveled at that. And that When I played baseball, I would try and have his batting stance because I loved it so much. But uh, this can only have – like, this can only end in uh, – and picked up by the Cardinals, I think. Uh, there, it, it, it would make too much sense. And just to have, like, one more – what Schultz said, basically. One more hurrah. One more – one final time with the 
with the Cardinals would be really cool to see. Yeah, so I, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. When I initially heard the news, I was like, okay, he's done. Like, there ain't no shot anyone's going to want to pick him up in that contract. And then I kind of recognized the fact that because he was DFA'd, whoever he goes to, he's either, A, going to clear waivers completely, no, no deal's going to get agreed upon, and he's just going to get released into free agency, or B, which I think is the much more likely option, they're going to, if they do find a suitor for him, they're going to trade him while retaining all of his salary to some team that deems that they want him. Uh, I think the funniest one would be the White Sox because that would be such a Tony La Russa move. He managed him. And uh, that would be they, cool. they, they have enough problems with Tony La Russa anyways in Chicago. So I think that would be kind of funny. Uh, but other, other ones, ones that I thought of, uh, the Cardinals is there as a kind of – nice gesture i don't know if they necessarily need him the only teams that i could potentially see quote unquote needing him are i hate to say the reds after what i said in the group text earlier but the reds are like a slight contender potentially just with (laughs) (laughs) just with uh with their injuries and the other one the interesting one that was brought up today uh i was listening to mlb network radio and tampa bay rays it's a very very strange one and the only way i see it potentially working is if the rays are able to get off of one of their quote-unquote bad contracts which is yoshitomo Sutsugo, who's making like five million dollars this year so if the angels agree to take that by all means i will get a pujols rays jersey that's fine that's all good but i don't i don't think he's done i don't think he wants to be done but at the same point like he he just does not have it anymore. It was very interesting seeing how this developed too, because it was allegedly because he didn't start last night. He wanted, he had very good numbers against Ryan Yarborough, who the Rays had on the mound. Didn't get the start last night. And when I say very good numbers, I mean like batting 400 with six home runs off of him or something like that. So like really dang good numbers. And that was allegedly the reason because his playtime was decreasing, but he had played in five of the last six games. And so there has to be something in the back door. Someone brought up the contract earlier too. There was a clause in his contract that upon him retiring, he would get a role in the front office of the angels. What, what are the odds that actually happens now? Hmm. Do, do you think he'll, uh, I don't do you think, think he he's going to want to go for that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I don't either. I can't believe that was part of the, that was part of the they deal. Just wanted him. They yeah, probably, he'd probably ask wow. for it. And they'll like, yeah, they'll sure. do those baseball contracts, especially. They'll have those fun little details in there, and he's got deferred money too for like oh. ever now. Um, <laughs> like he'll be our Bobby Bonilla. So really, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. I don't have the specific details, but it's it's he's owed like thirty five million this year, anyways, and this is it on the deal, but. He does have deferments in there too. Sorry, I totally just cut you off. It's nuts. Isn't it crazy that uh, he spent 10 years in LA and he spent 11 years in St. Louis? It's not even like he was in St. Louis from like, it's almost 50 50 at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind. And like, it's just great. That's just another testament of how bad he was in LA for him. That like Mm -hmm. nobody is ever going to remember him as a, they're always going to remember him as (laughs) as an all star in St. Louis. I kind of, just forgot about him after he yeah. moved out to LA. Like, I mean, he, he hasn't really, he's been irrelevant for 
However, his like best, at least six to seven so. of those years. Yeah. Like his best season was his first season in LA. He batted 285, yeah. 30 home runs, and 105 RBIs. His next best one was 2014 with 28 home runs, 105 RBIs, 270 or 272 average. And that's then every other year it's been yeah. sub 260. So, so it's one, been like six or seven years. And basically. his only, He's interestingly enough, with, with those better seasons too, the only season he ever made an all star game was that 2015 season. He batted 244, hit 40 home runs, 95 RBIs, and he got named to the all star game. Yeah, that is legit that was- his only all star appearance with the Angels. And it was at 35 years old, which is yeah. crazy. Injuries killed that man. Cannot move. He can still somewhat, like, he can still make contact with the ball on occasion. But at this point, he's a DH, which makes the Cardinals fit a little bit more iffy yeah. because I don't know if he's going to want to be a bench bat. But at the same point, I don't know if he's going to have a choice. Ideally, yeah. he's a designated hitter somewhere. But also, ideally, he's not still playing. So it's, a, it's an interesting one. Like uh, you mentioned, he could mm-hmm. he could jump right in at the Reds right now with Joey Votto hurt. Yeah, exactly. So, at first base, so he could he could come to the Rays for a few games until G-Man Choi gets off the IL, which should be uh pretty soon. So speaking of not playing, coaching controversies, whatever you want to call it, organizational failures. What I'm gonna say, the Pacers have absolutely imploded at the helm. Uh, how do you pronounce the last name? Bjorkstad. That that say that name right? Bjorkren, Bjorkren uh, yeah. is on about the hottest of hot seats that you can be on. An assistant coach has been suspended and fined mm-hmm. after an argument with Gogo Patatste, who has also been fined. And it's it's really blowing up in Indiana here. Yeah, it's uh, it all happened pretty fast. Um, Woj announced or released that tweet that he was like, his future was up in the air and then all like all today and yesterday, there's just been more details. And then the game last night, you see the coach and Goga just going at it, just yelling at each other. And it just looks like a disaster right now. And I thought originally it was just like, like they're sitting at the ninth spot right now in the East and like they they've had a bunch of injuries, but I thought it was just for losing and like, I was like, it's his first year, like, give him a chance with, like, healthy players. But it just sounds like he has, like, built no relationships in the building. And, like, he just put on a face at the beginning of, like, this, like, new bright young coach that's going to come in and, like, get the best out of everyone on the Pacers. And he's just been, like, a total, like, control, like, yelling at people, like, all that and it just sounds like a disaster and they even said tj warren when he first found out about it requested a trade and he was the only player that had played under him uh previously when he was uh in phoenix so you know that's a little concerning i'm surprised that we're just now hearing about that but Mm -hmm. i think he's for sure gone i think he's lost all the players like people are all the players and coaches like are coming out and saying stuff. So it sounds like there's going to be a lot of changes coming in the off season for the Pacers. Yeah. You did see TJ Warren, like kind of put an end to that though. Right. He said, what did he say? He said, don't use me as the narrative. So I'm sure there's a, yeah. there's two sides to that argument, yeah. but yeah, that Pacers look bad. It's coaching. 
partly, uh, definitely culture partly. Um, if I'm a Pacers fan, which thank God I'm not, I would not be excited right now because coming into the season, they were kind of the sleeper, like maybe taking that next step into that like top tier of the East. And instead they've regressed a ton and it's really disappointing to see. Uh, I do, if they find the right hire in the future, I think they do have a chance at kind of getting back on schedule. But like, that's the big if is like, that's they're assuming Bjorkson's fired, they're going to have to replace him with somebody that they know is going to win. Like Nate McMillan would be a great option for them. Stop. We play him tonight after all this stuff. And they're probably going to beat so you by funny. about 100 yeah. points because the Pacers don't play defense. Or 60, We've, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, When's the last time you've allowed less than like 130? Probably in like a Against the Thunder. That was a ridiculous game. That was fun. That was a Congrats fun. on beating one of the worst teams in the NBA. Yeah. I'm not taking any McMillan, uh, no McMillan jokes here. He couldn't take them over the top. I respect them uh, moving off of him, but good Lord, I did not expect it to end like this, let alone end this quickly. Like this, currently they're sitting as the nine seed. I believe they're up two and a half games on the hottest team in it, the NBA. I'm going to say the Wizards. Uh, but they'll probably make the playing game. It's looking like they'll, they will. They'll make it. I don't think the Raptors are going to catch them. Raptors got to really turn it on here, but it's it's looking ugly. This looks also very similar, I guess, to the B-line kind of exit in the, hmm. in Cleveland. Like, what was that? That was less than a year also, right? Yeah. Yeah. I that, mean, one, that one was it, – it was about a year or so, yeah. And, I mean – I mean, those two franchises. I mean, you got you can't miss on these coaches. One like mm-hmm. less than a year into the, I, I I will be very interested to see who the Pacers get. I I think they should go get Mark Jackson. I think he coached there before, right? Or he yeah. I know he played he there. Played, he played, yeah, he played, he played there. there. But I I think he, if you go get him out of the booth, I think that would be. Somewhere to start yeah. for the Pacers. Frank Vogel would also be a good option, too. Frank Vogel or McMillan, <laughs> I think those would be some good options. I, I really like the, the I, I really like the Bayline uh, comparison, though. And it's those coaching hires, too, are like almost more important in the smaller markets than they're in the larger markets because oh, 100%. you're, you're going to have the team that you're going to have, and you won't be able to go out and get someone. Like the biggest name you'll be able to get is Jeremy Lamb. That's, that's the deal. Maybe you'll be able to trade for some guys, but you're not going to be able to attract those big-name free agents like the larger markets. You're usually, like, mid-tier in the draft as well, so you don't mm-hmm. really get a chance to get a superstar unless you draft one, really. You get lucky and like Kawhi. Yeah. some fall. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can do it. The Pacers have done really well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, speaking of uh, more hot seats, uh, Terry Stotts reports just came out right before we started reporting this that it is expected that the Trailblazers will be looking to move on from him, assuming that they don't do anything come playoff time. Thoughts on that? I I don't like that at all, to, if I'm being honest. I don't think they're going to be able to find somebody that is better than Terry Stotts. He's been there for so long. He's got great rapport with the players. So it's I don't think it's a cultural issue. I think it's more of just a results issue. And this was a team that was really close to the finals two years ago, I want to say. Was it two years ago? They were a solid team. They were they had a lot of momentum. Injuries kind of derailed them last year and a little bit this year too. CJ and uh, CJ was out for what almost a month. So 
uh, they, the rails have definitely come off from them and the West is just so tough. Uh, it's definitely tough if I'm the owners and the GM for the Trailblazers, just seeing these other mid-tier teams that have taken that next step, like the Jazz and the Suns and the Nuggets. And the Trailblazers with those two superstars haven't really been able to do that, partly because of the players around them and partly just because of the competitive nature of the West. I still think, from what I've seen, they one of their top candidates is Jason Kidd. If that's their top candidate, they should not be firing Terry Stotts. They should be staying with him because Jason Kidd's not going to be the person that puts – the trailblazers over the top. The only thing that he's going to do is make Damian Lillard want to get traded uh, because he, he couldn't coach the Bucks. The Bucks fired him. And then the next year we got Budenholzer and we were one of the best teams in the West or the East with pretty much the same roster. Uh, I don't see Jason Kidd being the answer, assuming that's who they're targeting, which is what the early reports were saying. Uh, so, and if Stotts is fired, I could see the Pacers wanting him. I would, if I'm a Pacers fan, Stotts would be the perfect replacement. Somebody who's kind of that stable, stable uh level-headed guy who can kind of guide a team back into uh not purgatory uh, where they're headed right now what do you guys think about that uh dame and cj better sign off on that firing then or you're about to just blow up the whole team i feel like that's the only thing i gotta say about that now i mean you can't just if if you find a coach that players like you, you can't fire him now or you risk the fear of just being in coaching purgatory forever damn near yeah and it's it's an aging roster too you gotta I mean it's it's a difficult spot like they haven't been getting those results but they have had those injuries like Nurkic last year killed them and you know, they've been bat- battling injuries this year. It's hard to kind of get that um, that style and um, kind of pace of play back where everyone's on the same page and you're, you know, playing well. But, like, they definitely have the talent. It's just um, – I don't know if it's development. Like, some of their younger guys um, – Nasir Little, like some of those guys just haven't really panned out. Um, And then they got rid of Gary Trent, who was someone that was actually starting to play, coming to his game. So, I mean, I was thinking of like NBA coaching candidates and like, it's just like a lot harder. I feel like there's not like, like coaches just go from one spot to the other. I feel like there's not always like a ton of new names emerging like, like you see in college basketball, like all these names just come like every year in the coaching cycle. And like, it's just like who fired who, and then they yep. just switch places. And I mean, I feel like there's got to be some like kind of, um, I don't know, I, I guess. It's, like, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a boys club. Yeah. It, it definitely is. And it always kind of has been. That's what made like the, the first hiring I remember that was really like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Was Nick Nurse uh, being straight from the G League? I thought, you know, that's that's a pretty cool hire there. I was hoping uh, Mike Miller, not the uh, guy that played in the NBA, but uh, <laughs> the Knicks uh, interim head coach. He coached the uh, Westchester Knicks for a while too. Um, he did phenomenal with the interim job last year, and they decided to go away from him to Tibbs, and to, he's been phenomenal. But it's it's definitely a little bit more of a boys club than it really should be. You, I, I feel like in the NFL, you don't see it quite as much anymore. I feel like 
we're kind of approaching this new place specifically within the NFL of not just recycling the same coaches old yeah. over and over again, because they're old as hell probably at this yeah. point and they can't do that. So hopefully mm-hmm. the NBA kind of steps up its game here. I think the biggest issue with the trailblazers, I'm worried that their roster has hit their limit. They had oh, their window. I think they could maybe make a little bit of noise. I'm very biased against them because they effectively ended my favorite team's uh, run, uh, the Thunder. Um, But I do think that I would look to, if you're firing the coach, you're also then agreeing to reconstruct the roster because I don't see a new coach getting them to play any better than they currently are. Mm. Could they play a little better? Yes, but I don't know how much that really improves their ceiling. Maybe you're not in the playing game and maybe you're like a six seed or something like that. But I don't know how much that really takes. It's kind of like the Pacers where like you bring in a new coach and you don't really make any changes to the roster. Like you got to switch some stuff up. You got to bring in the guys that are going to fit this new style play, this new mentality that the, uh, coach is trying to build at the organization and look how it turned out. We're already looking to get rid of him before the first year is already over. So, yeah, it's just, I think if you bring in a new coach, you're bringing in a new style play, you're bringing in a new culture. You got to bring in some new players too. Obviously you don't just like get rid of Dame and CJ, but there's other players on that team that could have been moved to bring in some other guys. Like Definitely. If, if they do think, move on from Stotts. I think – and to go back, I think even though we're not doing a hot take, this mm-hmm. is one hot – back to Indiana. Maybe a dark horse candidate, Ronald Norad, the former Butler Bulldog. I think he coached in the G League. I think he's an assistant with the Hornets right now, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Yep. I, I think maybe they go back – maybe they – but they can't afford to miss on this one, which is the only reason I feel like yeah. they can't take that risk. Yeah, but you I feel can't like go 0 for two. You can't go over two. So I think that's the only thing that would hold them back for maybe even interviewing. Norad's also like 33. Yeah. Uh, he's like he's a few oh, years out true. from head coach. I think he's. I, I like Jock guys... Bond. If we're gonna name names, I like Jock yeah. Bond. I think that would be a great hire. Either of those places. He did a great job with the Nets uh, last year as interim. I think that would be a, either one. Hmm. I'd really like that higher. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Schultz, we're going to bump this one over to you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, smoke. Only Schultz speaks on this one. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we owe him the floor here. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. get your thoughts yeah. on that. What's going on? Well, I woke up really excited about draft day and then went on, <laughs> was just going on about my day. And then Kylie text, looks like Aaron Rodgers is out the door. And I was like, well, that was kind of like a rumor a little bit ago. I thought that's all it was. And then I went and Schefter just like, Aaron Rodgers is upset. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so then I went on Twitter. And then instead of working the rest of the day, I was just refreshing Twitter all stressed out. And then as more stuff started coming out, especially today, uh, the most recent report saying that Schefter literally got all this information uh, throughout the offseason from the start of when we lost. And it's just been like an accumulation of stuff and not something with, that was brand new information mm-hmm. really was upsetting because as a whole, we'll get to the draft in a little bit, but I like the Packers draft and it really took away from uh, some of our picks. And like when we didn't take a wide receiver in the first round, even though cornerback is definitely the position that needed to be addressed the most, uh, I was just like, Oh, well, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to like that. It's just like, well, shut the hell up. Like 
if that never happened, we wouldn't be talking about that. And based off the reports, I think it's all contract negotiation. I think that's a majority of the smoke that's being blown. Uh, I expect him to line up under center in Lambeau week one, if we're playing in Lambeau week one, regardless. Uh, so I'm not too worried. Obviously, it's not ideal when your uh, cornerstone of your franchise is saying anything, but uh, it's not anything that the Packers haven't been dealing with for the past couple of years, whether it's been contract or uh, cutting Jake Kumaro, things like that. It's just been a, an accumulation with Rodgers. He's kind of a diva, but I love him, so I'll get over it. I didn't know if I loved him a couple days ago, but I've decided today after the reports that I still do. Um, and then the other thing that I just want to address is ESPN put out that the Packers were looking at quarterbacks for the OTAs when we have two quarterbacks on our active roster. It's just like, yeah, ESPN, we're looking for some, for some training camp dudes because we can't be rolling out Aaron Rodgers all four preseason games and Jordan Love isn't playing all four quarters in preseason games. It's just like stuff like that's just annoying and it's just trying to push that narrative that it clearly Schefter wants to push just to get those clicks. And Aiden's been saying it, and I'm on the board now too. Schefter's just become a little more unreliable. It used to be whatever he said was kind of like gospel, but now it's becoming a little bit more clickbaity, whether it's that, Russell Wilson, Aiden mentioned uh, earlier today about Deshaun Watson posting like different pictures of Deshaun Watson in different jerseys, just things like that you wouldn't expect from Schefter. Usually he was a lot more solid. He was more of a Woj slash Shams type dude. Well, not Woj anymore with Bogdan Bogdanovich, but – that's another, that's another day. But you know what? I expect him to be there. Um, and if he's there, the Packers have a chance at the Super Bowl. So I'm really hoping he stays. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to take that shift to 10 NFL. Uh, <laughs> just going through here, we'll do a quick little roundtable. I feel like everyone has pretty much heard the draft analysis at this point since it's about a week to the day. I, I think we got, what was today, Wednesday? Yeah, Thursday. so today. Yes. Today's Thursday. Uh, today's Thursday. All right. Whoops. Um, it's been a week since the draft happened, so you've probably gotten a lot of the analysis already, but we're going to go ahead and get into it just a little bit here to wrap up. Uh, we're going to go around. Everyone's going to pick pretty much one or two of their winners and losers. Uh, quick little discussion on that before wrapping up. So, Kylie, we will start with you. Winners and losers. Yeah, I've got a couple winners. Um, I did – uh, one that I'm not going to consider one of my two winners but is worth mentioning is the Vikings. I think they had a solid draft. Um, but my two winners, one is the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Zach Wilson. They trade up and get Vera Tucker to solidify that line, which is where a lot of Darnold's problems stem from. And then you get Elijah Moore, who's could be the top receiver in this yeah. draft. Then you get a running back who I really don't know who else they have, but Michael Carter was pretty solid on North Carolina. We'll see how he translates. I feel like he's a little undersized. Um, And then I really like Jamie and Sherwood from Auburn. I'm a little biased, but he's kind of one of those safety linebacker hybrids that can play both. And it sounds like they're kind of wanting him to play more linebacker from the phone call that I heard. So I think he really fits that bill. And I think, at least the beginning of the draft was really solid for him. And then my other winner is the Detroit Lions, baby. Motor City, Dan Campbell, first draft coming in there. Uh, you get that cornerstone left tackle in Penny Sewell. Um, I think he kind of fell into their lap, and you could see how excited they were. Um, 
if Goff isn't the answer, then you at least got a solid piece on the O-line along with Rag now that they uh, just uh, re-upped his contract. So you at least are building that O-line that when you do need to bring in a new guy, if Goff isn't him, you already have that in place and you don't see like a Joe Burrow situation where they have no protection for him when and you just throw him out there. Another uh, pick that I liked was the Syracuse corner, uh, Melon Fanwu. He was mentioned a lot as one of the top corners, and he fell to them either the third or fourth round. And then they also got Amonra St. Brown, who's really good. And with the lack of receivers that they have there, I think he's going to come in day one and be a starter, and I think he'll be really solid. Um and then they got Jamar Jefferson in the last round to kind of compliment DeAndre Swift, who he was really good at Oregon State. We'll see. He's also a little undersized, but I think I really like the Lions first draft pick. I really want the Lions to be good. So I I was kind of excited that they had a pretty solid draft. Hot over to you. Well, obviously, I got to talk about my Bengals first. Um, I I am completely fine with a Jamar Chase pick. Completely fine with it. Um, I think that receiving core now with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins in a couple of years will be the best three best receiving core I think in the NFL. Um, Jackson Carmen at forty six, a bit of a reach. However. Three. They were going to pick him at 38 is the word. So by at least trading back and getting two extra picks, it makes it acceptable. I think he could grow into a good tackle. Uh, I think the plan is for him to start at right guard this year. And then if Riley Reef leaves in free agency, he'll move over to right tackle. Uh, So I I think Andy's from Cincinnati. So it's a cool little pick right there. There it is. Um, <laughs> but I, I hope that the Bengals got it right with those first two. Uh, I think with the other ones, I, I was a little disappointed, especially with Evan McPherson, the kicker in the fifth round. I mean, the fifth round for fucking kicker. Like, <laughs> get him in the like sixth or the seventh, minimally. Six is even a high, I feel like, a reach for a kicker. Fifth round's high. I agree. But, yeah. So, I, that was the only other one I was mad about. I, I think he could potentially grow into a good kicker. But, I mean, they better have gotten that one right. <laughs> but going into, like, winners, I love the Chicago Bears uh, draft. Obviously, I'm biased. I love Justin Fields. Uh, but going up to trade and getting him at 11, I, I loved it. I hope he can succeed. Uh, and then get, uh, did they trade up to get Tevin Jenkins or did, yeah. did they, were they right there? Yeah, they traded they up traded again up. to get Tevin Jenkins, which is uh, fantastic also to just get him a great left hand. That's who I wanted the Bengals to take at 38. But, uh the only worry I have is did they give away too many assets to build around those two? Uh, but I, I still love that they went up and got those two players. And if Justin Fields isn't the one to break the 
Chicago Bear slash Ohio State quarterback curse. I don't think there will ever be a quarterback that breaks <laughs> those two curses. Uh, those are probably the two most cursed teams slash programs when it comes to producing quarterbacks. But I think it'll be fun to watch. And then also I like what Kylie said about the Vikings uh, getting trading back and getting Darisol. And then all, I also saw that report. Did you guys see the report where the Vikings might have taken Fields at yep. 14? Yeah, if he, I thought they were going to. If, I which thought I think that's where he was going to end up. But that would that would have been really cool to see as well. But I, I really like the Vikings draft. Losers, mm-hmm. um, I didn't like the Jaguars draft. I agree. Uh, and I hate to say that because I love Urban Meyer as well. But ETN, I feel like, was a – at 25, especially when I think he came out and said that they see him as a third down back. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, if you see him as that, you uh, you shouldn't take him at 25. Uh, I think you could have maybe went receiver there and gotten Trevor a, a wide receiver to get third to. And then I think they overdrafted some people. Like, uh, who was their second round? Was it Cisco? Uh, Cisco was Cisco was in the third. Tyson Campbell, the cornerback out of Georgia, oh, okay. was there. Second round but pick. but but all but going to like Luke Farrell in the fifth round, his former player at Ohio State. I mean, I think it had like an undraftable like grade. Like he was going to be an and draft him in the fifth round. So I, I I just wasn't a big fan of it. I mean, maybe I mean he's great at producing or getting the most out of players though so i time will tell but i i just wasn't a big fan of the jaguars draft schultz your turn yeah so i'll talk about the packers second i'm gonna talk I, my team one of the teams that i like the most um draft wise is the browns i think they got a lot of great value picks especially early on i think newsome addressed a need uh, in the first round, which is usually what you want to do in the first round, get the best player that can address that need. And then Jeremiah Owusu Kamora, I think that guy is going to be a great player for them. Uh, just because they have that great edge rush already. So now that they have that middle linebacker that can hopefully solidify, he can play side to side. I think he's going to be a great addition to that team. And then, you know, Kylie's going to want me to talk about Anthony Schwartz. So we'll talk about him. He's a burner. He's going to be, I think he's a great compliment to their already great receiving core with uh, the other two. OBJ and Jarvis, and then they have uh, they have Njoku and Jonathan People Jones, and yeah, I mean, if we want to talk, yeah, People's Jones, I guess, and somebody else, I don't know, and then uh, the other guy that I wanted to mention, and that was the Ohio State guy, Tommy Togiai. Togiai, yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, beast. Yeah, I thought that was great value in the fourth round for him. Yeah, a lot of people had him going day two, so I think getting him day three was, I think they got him day, yeah, they got him day three. Uh, Getting him day three was another steal. So I think value-wise, I think they had a great draft. Uh, Packers, I said they had a great draft or a good draft um, when I was addressing Aaron Rodgers. That's not a popular opinion, but I think we addressed our biggest need, which was corner. And I'm going to trust uh, Gooden Kunz. He drafted Jair Alexander. So if he can draft him, I'm assuming he sees similar value. And Eric Stokes, not, I wasn't stoked about the pick. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you. Um, but I do like, I think he's got a lot of upside. He's said there he's, been said to be very intelligent and coachable, which are two things that you definitely want to see in your first round pick. So uh, if he's not, he's got the physical attributes that I think. Is he better than Kevin King? He's faster. He won't get beat, burned by Scotty Miller. <laughs> so, I mean, at the very minimum, he'll stop that pass and the Packers will be in the Super Bowl. So 
Uh, and then Amari Rogers, I, I kind of like that pick. Um, it's been 50-50 on reactions, but I think he's going to be a solid player. We just need solid uh, compliments to Devontae Adams. He's going to get enough targets. He's going to be one-on-one his entire time in Green Bay. So uh, I think that's fine. Um, Josh Myers was a little bit of a stretch, I think, at where we got him. I think we could probably trade it back and still got him. But if that's who they thought, we've drafted an offensive line really well uh, with Elgin Jenkins mm-hmm. and Bakhtiari in the past. So I'm not too worried about that pick. And then the other one that I wanted to mention that I think could be good is uh, the guy from Appalachian State, uh, Jean Charles. He, um, this past season, he allowed no completions. So, I mean, obviously he was going mm-hmm. up against not the best competition, but regardless in college football, that's a pretty great stat. Uh, they said he's a little undersized, so I think he's going to be playing in the middle more. And he's said to be very physical, which is something that the Packers kind of lack because Kevin King's big, but he's really fu- he's really soft. So I think he's going to be a good compliment to Eric Stokes, who's more of that burner guy that can cover the edge more. So overall, I think that was a solid draft. And I just want to mention one loser. This isn't a big loser. Eh, I guess it is. The Steelers, I don't think, had a great draft. They didn't really address their offensive line concerns, which I think was mm-hmm. the biggest thing. They didn't need a running back as much as they needed offensive line. Uh, and taking, I love Najee Harris. Harris, I think he's going to be a great player, but I don't think he's going to thrive in a system where your offensive line still isn't that great. Um, but overall, oh, they did take a Wisconsin guy, so that this not wasn't a horrible draft for them. But overall, I do like the Browns the most. I think they had probably the best draft, and I'm going to stop talking because I'm rambling. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the Rogers pick too. I was a fan of it I feel like he needed to go to somewhere where he wouldn't have to be asked to do too much outside of maybe return kicks and be a slot guy and from everything I understand that's exactly what he's potentially going to be asked to do so I I feel like he's in a great scenario and definitely very well set up to succeed uh looking at it I'll, I'll start with losers uh Broncos had somewhat of a weird draft to me um I don't really see the need for picking a corner that early uh, especially at nine but at the same point you have so many holes on the team I don't know what I necessarily would have liked to see them do more it was just kind of weird to me and the other one too was the Cowboys also had a rather strange draft to me of really reaching on picks uh, picking positions that maybe like uh, how many corners did they draft i know that they needed corners but they drafted one two they drafted three cornerbacks total so that's a lot especially when i think two of them were predicted to go undrafted so tough (laughs) a little yeah a little concerned about their drafts uh for winners i really like the raiders draft yeah. Which is strange. Oh, wait, I, whoa, what? Yeah, I, I know. Disagree I disagree with that. I just came out and talked about reaching on picks. Uh, yeah. I feel like being able to get uh, Morig in the second round was pretty big for them. And yeah. with – I'm tempted to trust Gruden when he reaches and Mayock just because of – the. I feel like the only one that they've really missed on has been CC Farrell, who's still – like he's still a really good player, just not worth the – fifth overall pick so I feel like with them they had a need at right tackle specifically and they were potentially able to get it here I don't know how much I like Leatherwood at 17 but hey if he's your guy then they've shown they're they're gonna go get their go get their Mm -hmm. guys um and that they did 
The other one to me, I really, really like the Lions draft. Uh, they have set up their team in such a way that whatever quarterback they choose to bring in, if it's not Jared Goff, is almost guaranteed to succeed. He needs maybe one more wide receiver. Like, maybe. Um, definitely. No, I think they definitely need a wide receiver. That line is disgusting now, and yeah. they're locked up relatively long. So it's they're going to be pretty crazy to see going forward. I'll bring up the Texans one here too. Uh, not much you can do with <laughs> with only a third-round pick as your starting spot, but uh, it pretty much guaranteed Deshaun's not going to be around the team for one reason or another. I'm going to leave that situation at that, but we now currently have, including Deshaun, we have four quarterbacks on the roster. We traded for one. We traded up to draft one, and we signed one. Uh, one of those quarterbacks is Ryan Finley, so he might not count too much, but it really signals that we're moving on from Deshaun Watson for one reason or another. So that was that was pretty interesting. Um, even the Jaguars, too. I think ETN will be fine there. I don't like the, the wording that they're going to use him as a third-round back. Yeah. But I think having him and the crew that they had last year as kind of a one-two punch will be mm-hmm. a very, very effective way of doing things. Um, I don't know how many wins that team is good for. I don't know how much they could have realistically improved it, but it's it steps in the right direction. Oh, the other one I wanted to mention, I really like the Panthers draft too. Mm-hmm. Um Hornet Hornet eight was once again a little early. I thought they might go alignment perhaps, but they ended up really upgrading two position groups to then like early on with Horn and Marshall. I felt like those were two very strong acquisitions. To then move on to and get Tommy Tremble at 83 and then Chubba Hubbard at 126, you're adding some serious weapons to this offense. You know, what's it matter if Darnell can't get the ball out, but you're really going to be able to see this year, you know, is Darnold the real deal? Didn't go out and get a quarterback. If, you know, if he's not the real deal, you address that next year. But you, they really did a good job of upgrading these skill groups to ensure that, you know, we're putting Darnold in the best position. And that defense, I, I was a little worried when they drafted Horn that they were going to continue drafting only defensive players again. I think that was a streak of like eight or nine straight picks dating back to last year. But those were my winners and losers. Uh, I'll talk about the Colts yeah. since you yeah, guys yeah. all talked about Oh, that's about, right. That's uh, right. We, we didn't even mention team, them. So. Yeah, I was going to roast the Colts, but I figured you were going to talk about them. Yeah, so I was kind of disappointed on the draft days with the picks, but as I've settled more into it, I don't mind it. Um, Quiddy Pay, I think, is going to be solid. It sounded like we really wanted him, and he fell to us. So, um, I mean, he's a physical specimen. He's a little raw, but, I mean, Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney are there to help for the Colts. So, those are two of the best to learn from. And then I – I when they said Dio Odeyengbo from Vanderbilt, I was like, I gave the biggest who, and I was so mad, but – I guess he was talked about as a first rounder before he tore his Achilles and Chris Ballard said that he, they would have drafted him if he came out last year. 
So sounds like we've been really into him. Um, also didn't know the tight end from SMU that we drafted, but sounds like Frank Reich kind of has a idea of how to use him in the offense. He's kind of versatile, a little undersized tight end, but has more of receiver speed. Um, kind of like a Trey Burton type, which we know Frank Reich loves to use. And then um, another interesting pick I'll talk about is uh, Michael Strand, Strack, Stracken Strand, uh, the D2 receiver, All-American that we took. He's like 6'5", ran like a 4'4-something. Um, so he's got the physical – size and um I think he just kind of needs to be groomed coming from a D2 program I'm sure he didn't have the best coaching best training but I guess his dad was friends with Michael Irvin and so he's been doing off-season work with him so I'm kind of excited to see how that turns out I mean he's got he had other than the 40 time he had similar measurables with DK Metcalf so um I mean, it's a D2 guy, so we'll see. But I, I've i started to like the draft a little bit more. Sounds like we're going to go out and sign a tackle. So that kind of answers the question of why we didn't really address that in the draft. But if we got Eric Fisher, Charles Leno, one of those guys to come in with that already solid O-line, I think we should be decent. Um, hopefully Dio can come back soon from that Achilles I'm excited to see him he looks like he can be out on the edge or inside so um, just adding more depth to uh, we we really needed edge so um, we'll see how that all turns out but um, yeah I mean Sam Ellinger was questionable but we don't want to get into that so (laughs) that makes me think Eason's probably uh not the truth (laughs) probably not the truth for whatever reason but that is unfortunately all the time we have for today hot thank you for subbing in howling and we miss you buddy i hope uh, basketball practice went well uh (laughs) we will be back sometime next week breaking down whatever happened getting a little bit more into the nba next time but uh for now uh like and subscribe on whatever platforms you're using and we are out cheers